0: Hey, Chris
1: hi Christina how are you
0: I'm doing well how are you
1: I am well. well
0: it's great to be here to have a conversation again with you and you know we both have our records open we're both kind of getting communication and transmissions and when we were deciding what we were going to speak about uh, you sent me an article That was really interesting and something I really didn't know much about. And I actually had to research a little bit deeper into it um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, about quantum theory, right? Mm -hmm. And you read an article about a drag queen in England and how quantum theory relates to gender identity, and that opened a, a huge can of worms for me. So this drag queen, um, his name is Amro al which I think is Glamro, right? His right. drag queen name. Mm-hmm. So he has studied extensively quantum physics. And he has studied that, you know, with the theory of quantum f- physics, that two atoms can appear simultaneously in different uh, places. But it's the same atom, right? Right. So what, yep. is, what what jumped out a, about this topic to you? Why is this interesting to you specifically?
1: Maybe we touched on this last week, mm-hmm. uh, but for me, if I can quantify something um, from a scientific perspective, or at least with data points, uh, then it's easier for me to digest and make sense of. And when I had begun to... Explore quantum physics. Uh, it gave me a baseline for things that I felt had been true in my own experience, but more from a a spiritual perspective. And when I I ran across this article when we were packing and moving up from uh, Santa Monica, I had sent it to you because what I had mentioned last week was how I want to. And this, selfishly, this is you know as much for me as it is for anyone else. But how how do we take these topics that can be woo woo and make them very practical uh, on a daily basis? Or how do we combine metaphysics with quantum physics, right? And the practical application thereof. And so when I read this and how and how Amro had um, come to the conclusion using the same type of curiosity. And on how, on a quantum level, that subatomic particles can become entangled, and how it helped, um, and how it helped him as he was defining his own sexuality and the way that he was showing up in the world and that she was showing up in the world. And it's like it's okay. I can actually be in this superposition where I can be both things simultaneously, or I can be nothing at all. And I know that it sounds um, complicated. Uh, and it 's surreal in a way, but you know on a on a quantum level, subatomic particles can become entangled, and that means that uh, they can exist on any number of levels at the same time and This is a classical superposition where we 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 all know this to be true, and this has been proven out, even though we don 't understand why necessarily we've built supercomputers and sent people into space on this and that the scene world, these objects don't become each other. But if you look at a picture of um, a duck on the water, you could um, assign the water the label um, zero, and then the duck one, and, and confident that you could identify each one of them. One is the duck, zero is the water. So on the, on the quantum level, subatomic particles can become entangled. That means that they exist on any number of levels at the same time. And, and so the duck is on the water, but the duck also has become the water and the water has become the duck. And also the duck is off in the park, nowhere near the water. And did you know that the water doesn't actually exist? And this is all at the same time. <laughs> so you can assign the labels zero and one again, but you'd have to assign that um, like 0.1, 0.1, 0.001, uh, and every other number that's in between. It just gets really complicated. But if we know that, um, when, when items do become entangled and that they exist only when observed or when they're not observed, they go into an uno- unobserved state and become part of that um, void. Everything becomes a bit of a playground and I'm oversimplifying it. But what all this means to me, Christina, and, and how I operate uh, personally and even professionally is that anything is possible. Um, there may be low degrees of possibilities uh, there may be high degrees of possibilities, but anything that we could possibly imagine can and does exist merely by thinking it into existence. And this is where it gets kind of weird. And then we go into like the secret and the law of attraction. And that's not necessarily what I, my intent. Um, it's just, there's higher possibilities and higher probabilities and leaning into those, um, that are for your highest good and the highest good of everyone that we're connected to is the things that can help bring these. Uh, made um exteriorized is another way of seeing manifested but exteriorizing something that is up here so to speak and bringing that into reality so pausing there when i saw this article like this is amazing because somebody else is thinking about the same things that i'm thinking about and is practically applying it to their own experience
0: you know (laughs) <laughs> You've always thought this way. I never thought this way. So this was kind of a, a, an, like kind of an explosion for me of curiosity, right? Because I look at the world and I see everything. You know, I see this table I'm sitting at. I see this microphone. I see these blinds on the window. I see the plant behind me, and it's all creation. It's all atoms. And it's all come together because of an idea. I mean, all of these physical things are an idea, but before they were an idea, they were energy. And it, it just, it is baffling to me, quite amazing to think about everything in that way, that everything that we where we exist right now the environment the reality that we live in a lot of it is creation maybe all of it is creation because the energy existed out somewhere before you compress it and make this microphone or you compress it and make this table and it really starts to make me question about you know us as humans Mm -hmm. if this is a creation and that's a creation of course we are creations of some sort i mean some people would argue a different way but is there another creation of me you know out there somewhere or is there am i are my atoms existing somewhere else what do you think about that
1: well that would be the the many worlds theory and, um, Sean Carroll, um, who's a, a, a physicist, a quantum physicist, um, has written a, a handful of, of books on this topic and others, and that every permutation then essentially creates an, an, an entire dimension. So, wow. <laughs> so the, this time you go left, next time you go right, and there's a split and there's an app for this as well. And we'll, we'll put that in the, uh, in the text, but it's really a decision tree. So you can measure um, how if you make one decision, what that looks like, and then you follow that decision tree um, for a week, and then you can see how if you have gone made a yes or no, you'd go up this way and, and left this way. But um, it's an interesting um, app to play with. But the many worlds theory follows the same, and that you know every action, thought, deed um, creates you know this other dimension. So everything does exist, and and this part. Christina might make sense to you as well because when we're working in a um, in the Akashic records or, or working with this uh, this this energy field, it's almost like it's a DVD player, and you can think about how maybe deja vu is part of this um, mm-hmm. um, coincidences, and that. Anything and everything already has happened in the many worlds theory. And so then it's just like putting on a DVD, if you remember those, and going back to your favorite scene in the movie. And so you're replaying something that already exists. So then it's just a matter of, and I'm oversimplifying because it's it's not easy, but it's a matter of identifying and recognizing and aligning yourself with the idea that that actually has happened and then tapping into it. So with that, I'm going to go off on another tangent. Um, do you remember the movie Somewhere in Time?
0: I never saw it.
1: <laughs> it. Does it sound familiar? Have you heard of it? No. Okay.
0: How old so, is it?
1: Oh, it's it's um for people that are my age, it's like you may, you might remember it. This is like when HBO first came out. Um, oh. but Somewhere in Time came out in 1980, so I was only seven years old when this came out. Um, and it was written um it was written based on a book called bid time return um and his, the author's name was Richard Matheson and Richard Matheson uh, wrote a lot of science fiction uh, books movies he did a lot of writing for star trek but this in this movie somewhere in time, it takes place in um Mackinac. Island, Michigan. So, and me growing up in Michigan, it had an affinity to it because you see the Grand Hotel. And then it had Christopher Reeve coming fresh off the heels of uh, Superman, right? So oh, he,
0: wait a minute! I might know what you're talking about.
1: Right? Christopher yeah. Plummer in it as well, but a younger Christopher Plummer and Jane Seymour. And as and so he's a writer in Chicago, and I remember him like leaving, driving past the Hancock Tower, then magically, all of a sudden, he ends up in Mackinac Island. Uh, Michigan, which is probably, uh, you know, an eight hour drive from Chicago, but he got there pretty quickly. (laughs) And as he's walking through the hotel, he stumbles across this picture of Jane Seymour, who uh, was, I can't remember her character's name, but they had a picture of her and she was an actress, you know, and she had done a performance at Grand Hotel. And he became enamored with it and fell in love. And and that's when he started to explore this, um, inducing this trance-like state for himself so he could go back in time. He's like, okay, it's you know, September 7th, 1917, I'm in Mackinac City, Michigan, and here's the time, and and I just kept seeing this over and over and over and over again, and then he ends up finding himself in that place and meets her, and they fall in love, and then um, this went on for days or weeks, and then he reached into his pocket and pulled out a coin, and the coin said like 1977 on it, and then he got sucked back into uh, the current role. So, and this is me watching this movie when I'm like seven or eight years old, and started like, oh. early, <laughs> then it's simple, right? I can just lay in bed and I can just convince myself to be somewhere. And that hasn't necessarily been my experience with um, time travel. It's just like you don't automatically just like show up, you know, walking amongst the dinosaurs. Um, that's another podcast, perhaps. Um, but that movie always stuck with me. And then fast forward probably 20 years, and there was this movie uh, that came out called What Dreams May Come. Do you remember that movie? Yes, okay. And so that had Robin Williams and Cuba Gooding Jr. And, and some others in there, but those are the two characters that stand out. And I didn't know that it was a book before. And I watched the movie for the first time and I was just so in awe of watching these oil paintings coming to life and, and the viscosity of the oil and how it was moving. And um, I love that thickness, like that Van Gogh-ish style of you know texturized oils. Right, yeah. And, yeah, and watching it come to life. And like wow this makes sense right this whole existence and how purgatory became this construct of of his wife who had committed suicide and um in in how she was stuck there and couldn't help but that was her own soul's journey and then ends up in this library right with cuba gooding jr and a bunch of other angels and masters and teachers and loved ones i didn't know what any of that stuff was (laughs) right it was like oh of course so then maybe just a month ago um, I was meditating, I think I was um, in the records, or in the Akashic records, and sitting there. And I, I drew this connection between these two. And I was like, oh, Matheson, like, he wrote this. He wrote this book, and he wrote Somewhere in Time, and he wrote What Dreams May Come. I'm like, there's another book out there.
0: <laughs> wow. So, of
1: course, yes. Yeah, so, so then I, I get the book, um, and I just finished it last week. Um, and it's it's incredible um so he wrote this book called
0: this
1: one's transcend we'll have to start a book club off of this as well because i have four books that i'm reading right now
0: i know i'm I'm taking notes (laughs) for myself
1: (laughs) um it's just incredible so this book is called the path a new look at reality
0: oh my gosh i gotta read that
1: Yes. And it's interesting, right? So, and it starts off talking about democracy and there are certain parts of this book. It's like, of course, this is why it was brought into my awareness was to um, to, to dig into his interpretation. So it's a work of fiction, but it's based off of another text. Um, this is a significant book um, that was written as like a couple thousand pages long. And he just simplified it and told it in a, in a parable Par, not parabolic, but in, in a parable fashion. Mm-hmm. and made it really easy to, to uh, digest. Um, and, and a lot of interesting talk around democracy, um, oddly enough, which seemed to be quite appropriate at this time and the work that um, that I'm interested in. So a long rambling answer to you know this this DVD thing and, and being able to if you can just accept the notion or the possibility, that everything that could happen has happened and is really just registered somewhere, and then it's just a matter of how do you access it, um, according to your own highest good and the highest good of everyone connected to you, would lead to um, more exteriorization in your life. And it doesn't always, when we're manifesting things, it doesn't necessarily come in the shape, um, or the form, or even the timing of how you'd want it to. Uh, but it's a really interesting thing to play with. And I know I just rambled on there for about 10 minutes and just threw up all over the podcast, but.
0: <laughs> this is a safe space for verbal diarrhea. Don't worry. I, it's very welcome, Chris. And.
1: Thanks for holding space, Christina.
0: It was really great. <laughs> no, but I, I, I was always already having my own explosions over here and heart attacks as far as like, what I, like things that you say are completely, you know, resonating with me. So I've always been fascinated and I still have unanswered questions in my experience. You seem, you are a little bit more like sciencey and methodical than I am. I'm just like a, Hey, let's just experience and see what I find to be true. more of a, I guess just let me, let me do it. Let me see what, what it is. Right. So as a psychic medium, a lot of people do ask me how much of life is already planned out for you because, you know, people can make predictions. I don't make predictions. Just want to be clear. I don't like to make predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made really wrong predictions. I'm a very human person, but is it possible to predict like, well, I know that it is, it is possible to predict what will happen in the future, but how much of that is already kind of imagined and already kind of set, right? And how much can we alter that? If something that we are experiencing has already been experienced and already exists, can we deviate from that? And and that in my own research and my research means I've just tried things, you know, (laughs) and dealing with different people you know the scale slides sometimes i find that things are already kind of set and we are going through an experience that seems already programmed very much so but at the same time it's like well you know the question is for me like why are we living if it's already going to happen like how much of how much control do we have and so as kind of a spirit a very spiritual person it comes back to me where i feel like the best way to live is to not take everything so seriously because it's it's a ride it's a journey and there are so many things that we don't know i'll never know the answer to what i just talked about i mean i'll never know and i mean you seem to have a pretty good idea but i don't think you'll ever know either chris sorry <laughs> Nope. (laughs) Nobody ever will. Now, when I pass away as Christina and my soul goes to the other dimension to do its thing, right? Whatever that may be. When I when I see this life, am I gonna know the answers then? I would say probably. (laughs) But then as a human, when we incarnate, you know, it's it it's gone. It's totally gone. And Maybe we're not supposed to know, obviously, but at the same time, why why do we seek this understanding of you know of existing and of things happening? And you know, why why are we so curious? Will it help us as humans? I, I do think that some of that knowledge is supposed to kind of be dispensed.
1: There's a lot to impact there and I'm glad that this podcast is ours and we can do whatever the hell we want to. Heck yeah! <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a experiencing it's yourself. Now I'll give you, uh, I'll share with you a story. Um, I had oh, my son's out there. He's doing CrossFit and, and I'm over here thinking about this other experience that I had. <laughs> I, um, on a retreat, I had this vision of me as a bubble. Do you remember the Mr. Bubble commercial? Oh, yeah. Was a car- the animated bubble. I'm totally aging myself on this podcast, right? So
0: I'm right behind you there, buddy.
1: Okay. Um, and I saw myself as this bubble. And it was like, wee, and then going back in like, oh no, and then like screaming and then coming out the other side, like wee, and then going back into the center of it and like, oh no, and then crying. And then coming back out like, we, And when I pulled myself back, there was just an infinite amount of bubbles doing the same thing. And it was like connecting back to source, having an experience, right? And so like realizing I would hear like babies crying as they were being born. So as these bubbles are coming out, it sounded like newborns. And then you'd like, you get the chatter just like of an existence and then it goes back in and then it, you know, as it's going through source again, it's like wee and it comes back out. Wow. And the, the the way that I've digested that so far is if we can suppose that we're all individualized aspects of source or something that's divine or something that's bigger than us, uh, much like a, a light is refracted through a prism and then separates the white light into all these different um, all these different shades of parts of the spectrum it 's colors that we can see and things that we cannot see it 's the same light but being refracted through a prism and coming out in, in multiple ways so it 's source right refraction, and then individualized aspects of that so there 's christina there 's chris there 's Um, infinite amount of people and human beings um, that we're having this shared experience with right right now and it could all just simply be source trying to experience itself as in many ways as it possibly could and going through the full experience because maybe it itself doesn't fully understand it just knows that it feels great when it gets to go through all these different aspects of existence uh, and it provides more context and experience of its own experience so then there's that experience. Right? And we have a micro experience inside of that. And who knows what's beyond that? There's just more and more and more and more. Oh, yeah. Um, but that to me really still resonates in that I just if I view my connection to something bigger than myself and I'm just having a very individualized existence or refraction of that, um, then it is fine, then it is a playground. And, um, and yes, you can hurt and you can hurt people and you can have all these very human experiences, but if anything and everything is possible, that's that's kind of how I wake up now. And it wasn't always like that for me, but it wasn't was young and it is now that I'm older. And the more I lean into that, the richer and richer this experience becomes, not just for myself, but for people that I work with and uh, my family and friends. Um, it's possibilities and probabilities.
0: Absolutely. But then I get the question of, you know, there are all kinds of possibilities, right? I mean, there's no limit. There's no limit. There really isn't. But as Christina, do I really want to take it to another limit? You know, I I have the things that I am really good at. And my whole life, whatever those things have been, I've started to follow that. And so it's kind of funneled down to what I really want to do and what I should be doing. Right. Right. And that makes me happy. So I am absolutely convinced that I am programmed. My soul is programmed with that blueprint because, you know, I work with other people's blueprints all the, all the time. Right. But let's say that, you know, I I'm supposed to go on a, on a straight line in, in that direction. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, There's kind of like another desire that I want. Let's say that. Let's see. I I want. I want to do an example that's like possible, but just not possible. Let's say that I want to own the Yankees. (laughs) Possible. There's always a way for me to own the Yankees, but not possible in a way, right? That's really big. Not many people are in a position to where they realistically can become the future owner of the Yankees, but yet it is possible. But for me, the, the time, the resources, um, the effort needed to put myself in the position to be able to be the owner of the Yankees completely turns away from what I believe I'm wired to do. And then therefore I don't want to do it because, it's just not interesting to me and other people, let's say I know Gary, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Gary V. I love that guy. Uh, I follow him on TikTok. <laughs> um, He has wanted to own the jets for like his entire life ever since he was a kid. Right. right. And he's going to do it. He's definitely going to do it. So I really believe when I look at Gary Vaynerchuk's life, he's, definitely here to do that and he's wired to do that he's here for challenges he's here um to bring people together but also shoot out in the front right and that totally is logical for him to be going after owning the jets whereas for me owning the yankees eh, it'd be fun i guess you know it'd be nice but eh, you know my, my life goes a little bit differently so while everything is possible should should you really do the possible, you know? And that's, that's actually what a lot of people I find struggle with as well. There are a lot of things you can do, but what do you want to do? What should you be doing? And um, right. very, very fascinating to think about that. And, you know, I just forgot something I was going to say while you were speaking about the path. <laughs> oh, I know what it was, a book that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you have any interest in it. I was led to this book by uh, my guides, my MTLOs, my master teachers and loved ones. And it's by Shar Margolis. You know Shar Margolis? She's like a big psychic medium. Okay. She's uh, very famous. She's written, I think, several books. And um, one of her biggest moments that people tend to remember if they don't know her name is many years ago, before, right when Kelly Rippa was hired for TV you know, in the position that she holds now. She was a guest on that show. And Kelly Rippa knew she was pregnant. Her husband knew she was pregnant. Nobody knew that they were pregnant. They didn't really want to say anything. And the psychic kind of outed it on national TV. And she was right. It was her daughter that was born. And now her daughter's like in college or whatever. So that was her big kind of moment. Okay. And she wrote a book called... Um, it's right here. The universe is calling you. Hmm. And I think she just promoted it. It's a very recent one. And it's, it's very, um, it's enlightening. And she does talk about what you spoke about, Chris, which was um, being pieces of um, creation of what was the word that you used? Cause I want to be careful with my terminology here. Um
1: individualized aspects of like we're source. all like
0: pieces of
1: source or source. You there experience. you
0: go. Okay. Let's do source. Let's do source. Then so I don't want to say God. I don't want to say any, something
1: no. else is bigger than us.
0: Right. Right. And one of the quotes that she puts in the book, it was, it's by Marianne Williamson. It's like everyone, I don't remember the exact quote, but everyone's always looking out when really you should be looking in because It's all there. It's ready to go. The essence of who you are is there and it's ready to be manipulated, manifested, whatever you want to say, it's ready to help you create. Um, So this, I'm very curious to ask you, have you, I mean, obviously heard of the matrix, right? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, there's the movie, the matrix, whatever, but then there's the manifesting matrix have you ever done any work with that? Nope. Never?
1: No, no, not justly. Like, no.
0: I'm aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just like everything in my life, when people first tell me things, I'm like, no, really? And then it's like, I've got, I'm one of those people that I, you know, if they say the stove is hot, don't touch it, I'm like, it doesn't seem hot. <laughs> hmm. I'm not a rebel, but I have to experience it myself. It's like, doesn't it seem hot. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Let me just put my hand over it. Oh, it could be hot. Just how hot is it though? So that I can tell somebody else, Psh, oh, you know, uh-huh. it, yeah, that, that, that's more of me with the matrix. So I'm not even, even as a very spiritual person who works with people that want to manifest their dreams, I'm still like, I don't
1: know about that. So there's a question in there, right? Yeah. And the question was, have I done work with the matrix? uh, Intentionally, the answer is no. So where I fall in that is, it's not if it doesn't work, right? And my, my biggest fear has been, what if it does work? Then what?
0: She says that in the book too. It's like people are afraid to know their own power. Mm
1: -hmm. It's
0: taken me time,
1: lifetimes probably, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To to be able to to get to and through that. But the more I lean into those possibilities and probabilities, the richer uh, my life becomes. Yeah. And I know that it can drive people nuts, um, people that are close to me, or at least it could. But then it just keeps happening. And so then there's this trust. And as you're clearing up things internally, right? And whether it's like, you know, like shadow work or just, you know, hiccups or traits or negative characteristics, whatever. But as you clean those things up, it just makes room for what's next. And it just keeps getting better. And so there's like more and more and more and more and more. And then I look back at even six months ago or two years ago, and it's like, gosh. And I know the same thing's going to happen, you know, two years from now. And it's like Moore's law, right? So it's just the rate of innovation and it's this infinite um, curve. <laughs> and um, that to me is really interesting. The the question that I had for you, and I want to go back to the Yankees. And yes, you could own the Yankees, right? Yeah, I could. But my school of thought on that is that if you were meant to have that as a higher probability or possibility, you would have chosen a different expression than the person that we know as Christina King.
0: Exactly. That was my whole point. Thank you for putting it in digestible words that I couldn't get out.
1: <laughs> Where do you sit with that? Tell me about it. What's Say that again. Tra- I'm sorry. What has your experience been with that theory and your work with yourself and your work with others and, and this, um, this unconscious self-selection possibility that I, Chris McCann, chose to have this experience in this body with those parents or these friends or these challenges how do you explain that to someone that um that maybe that's just not even part of their belief system
0: well i'm choosy about who i explain it to i only am invo- invited to explain mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't want to hear it and why am i wasting my time because yeah so it is information that I dispense on an as-needed basis, as asked, as prompted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually writing an article about something similar little ideas. And then, you know, whoever stumbles upon it, those are the people that want to read it. Um, I, the, the curiosity that people have is all selfish and selfish in a great way because everyone's here for a mission. Everyone's here to do something. And there comes a time when people are living a life in a current situation with people and and environment and things like that. And then when when they begin to question how it all works, it's because they're really asking, how do I fit in it all? Right? So I tend to answer with reference to where they stand in their own lives and how they can use that information to further their self-discovery. Mm. So it varies. Yeah. But if, if I were to just explain it to someone at a party that I know nothing about, <laughs> and they're just like, so psychic medium. And you know, what's interesting is as soon as I, you know, I, And you might have this experience too. It's like, what do you call yourself? We've already talked about that a little bit. If I say that I'm a coach, you know, and I guess judgment shouldn't matter, but, you know, I'm always recording information. I'm, I'm watching the judgments. People are like, oh, you're a coach. Hmm." You know, there's a lot of things that people start to think. And I'm like, no, you know, like I'm a spiritual coach. Oh really? What is that? You know, then you have to explain and that's great. I, I don't mind that, you know, then there's intuitive coach, but really the, the response that gets the most response is psychic medium. Cause I am, but it's just a little fraction, but it, of what I do, of what, who I am, because I do so many other things. Uh, it's just a tool, but that's more digestible for a social setting, right? But as soon as I say I'm a psychic medium, it's like, so read me, or, or what, what do you think about this? And it's almost like, they're not really challenging what they're really seeking.
1: The <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> what they're seeking is information. And then, but you know, a little side note, it's kind of like, what if I'd said I'm a gynecologist? <laughs> right. Correct? You know, it's like read me. It's like, ooh, you yeah. know, like you working with. Right. You know, you do, it, it's different. You know, it's a service. So <laughs> I do like to be paid in energy, you know, with money, energy for my service. But, you know, when I say psychic medium, people do ask those questions. It's like, well, you know, like what what is destiny? Do do I have a destiny? And the answer is Yes, but it's like, they want an answer that is like, very like, oh, you should be a nurse. You know, something very defined, mm-hmm. but in my experience, there's, there's only kind of themes. Yeah. You might be a nurse or a doctor or a medical because you should be helping. You should be physically healing people. You should be, you know, al- you know, you should be emotionally supporting people, um, You should be connecting with different people to help them elevate, you know, there are a lot of different uh, pathways. And so I, I, I tend to answer it like that. I'm like, well, there's usually life themes, but what you do within those themes, you know, it could be anything. It could be whatever you're wired to be, but you know, it could be a variety of things.
1: Right. And so the Enneagram is really interesting from that perspective Yeah, and, and how it has like, um, um, like I'm a seven and if a seven is fully optimized, well, mm-hmm. I say I'm a seven, but if my friend Art's listening to this, he's like, no, you're not, you're a two and you're in denial about being a two. Uh, that's what twos do. But every time I take this, this <laughs> uh, he's great. We'll have him on one time. He's, he's a, just a, fa- a fabulous leader. Um, I'm right. There's, there's these fully optimized versions of these profiles and then there's the the less optimized versions of these and you know does a fully optimized to look like look like it could be enlightened I'm just making this up and the the opposite of that is you're a psychopathic um a malignant narcissist with um you know, with chemical dependencies and
0: well that sounds like a party.
1: It's a but it's a huge range, right? It's yeah. like everything, Christina. And this is you know, it's a, a theme of this particular episode is a spectrum, much like how somebody who's autistic has a spectrum, is on a spectrum. Alcoholism, it's a spectrum. Um, it's the same here. The the interesting aspects of that for me. <laughs> Is bringing it back to um bringing it back to the like the original topic that we had of the podcast was around um, their their experience. And when al wrote this book, Life is a Unicorn, there's a chapter dedicated to quantum physics. And so I'm quoting this article that's on inverse. And the statement was, you know, with Newtonian physics, you think of these heteronormative heteronormative physics, where it's basically like what are the fixed universal principles of, that, that govern the world? If I do A, will B happen? And this is very much like the question that you were just talking about when people come up to you at a party or dinner when they find out what you do. You know, it's like this plus this equals this. And when, and then I, I do wanna spend time talking through this on subsequent uh, podcasts, because there's a lot of um, concepts to, to unravel. But when you can think of things in a non-linear fashion is where this, um, the ability for us to at least suppose that um, things like many worlds exist and that entanglement exists and the superposition exists, it's that they're real, you know, quantum physics is equally a part of, it's a real part of physics that looks at things at a subatomic level. Um, the smallest things that are in the universe, not the macro things, and they basically contradict everything that Newtonian physics tells us. Yep. And what what I love about their story is how um, they took these puzzles, right? Because we don't necessarily understand why it works. We just know that it does, and we can apply those principles um, and that a person's wallet can exist in um, two places, uh, two separate places at the same time at a subatomic level. But what they had said was as a queer person, you're always sort of questioning and searching for answers. And it's not just ascribed to people that um, are queer, it's ascribed to anyone that is open to getting a better understanding of themselves and how they fit into the world. And um, this can tie the contradictions of quantum physics together um, with concepts of gender identity. Um, It's it's beautiful. So what resonated most with me in, in their story was um, the following quote, if subatomic particles defy constructs all the time, why should we believe in fixed constructs of gender or any kind of reality? So just that question alone could lead to a lifetime worth of exploration. And that's when we have, when 2020 is happening and the perception could be that it's all very negative and it's hard, you know, it's, it can be many things to many different people and I don't want to ascribe my own interpretation on someone else. But just being able to ask those questions just makes me feel so damn good about the state of um, humanity and the state of uh, conscious humans, and that we'll get there. Um, and maybe not in our lifetimes, maybe not in 20 lifetime, but we will get there if we keep asking those questions uh, around possibilities and probabilities. I'm, uh, um, I, I was just blown away by their statement in this article. It was very heartening
0: you know it might be possible that we'll have you know it's accelerating really answers to those kinds of questions in the work that people are doing i mean you might get an answer within this lifetime it, i mean but it is so big and so hard to to understand with our capacity which i mean yeah, we're smart people, right? But I mean, we're kind of clueless too, you know, we're animals of some sort. So, you know, it, for, I guess, the bigger picture and the details w- within color in the lines, I think it'll be lifetimes as well. I agree. But I think, you know, I, I even feel like in 10 years or even 20 years, just some big things are going to be uh, discovered and and talked about and acknowledged and You know, I mean, even what, five years ago, what we're talking about now didn't really, you know, exist in in consciousness either. Right. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I just, I love interrogating everything and and, and particularly things that I'm taught. And it just started for me at a young age and, and just not getting involved in groupthink and to just just trust it and to think of alternatives. And it just became part of my mindset. And, you know, when I think of quantum physics, I mean, quite frankly, it just, I find it to be comforting.
0: You know, in high school, I was like, damn you physics, Newtonian physics. (laughs) We all did at one point, but you know, of course quantum physics is kind of like an F you to that physics anyway within nature. Uh, so it's kind of the rebel (laughs) if you think of it in that term. Um, but yeah, you know, and I, am I'm glad that I know you because you think in those kinds of curiosities and it really contributes to my own curiosity and my own experience and how am I processing How am I going to process my own life, my own existence within all of these atoms that happen to be around me and who am I within that? And, you know, it's something real and interesting, but at the same time, it makes me, it kind of inspires me to not take things so seriously, like little micro things, like anything in life that happens, it's like, I mean, you, you take them seriously a bit, but you just can't wallow in them for so long because it's just you know so many other things happening that we can't see i love that Mm
1: -hmm. yeah well we have lots more to explore next time we do this
0: definitely so i think that my takeaway for this uh for everybody out there i definitely think you know how do you you know check in with yourself how do you view yourself within your own reality? And I think that definition is what is to be true for you. Right. But also question, you know, question yourself, question your existence and also question how you operate within the the environment around you. And I think there's a lot of self exploration Involved in all of that and that really even if it seems like it's not important to think in that kind of way It's a it's a little bit different than perhaps you think about every day and I think that it can Those kinds of answers can enhance your experience even just a little bit. What about you, Chris? I
1: think if quantum physics or quantum theory can make someone feel more comfortable about their own gender identity it can it's possible that it can explain everything and that interrogation uh, and that ability to healthy ability the the desire and the wantingness of going inside and asking those questions um, is where everything is and <laughs> I don't know. There's the world that you see when your eyes are open, and there's what you see when your eyes are closed. And for a long time, I thought that everything was in front of me when my eyes were wide open. And the reality is that that's just the refraction of what's coming in. Um, when my eyes are closed, is where the real work begins.
0: And you become Mr. Bevel. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. That's a a heck of an existence right there. Well, Chris, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Christina. Always a pleasure. And we'll see you next week.
0: Yeah, see you then. Bye. Bye.